0: Welcome to the Global Connection, a Tel Aviv University podcast. Journey with us as we discover how TAU's academic community and friends are engaging with and helping to shape this ever-changing world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Global Connection. I'm your host, Dr. Anna Sujeki, and I am privileged to be joined by award-winning Israeli-Canadian writer Ayelet Savari, who is the author of the 2016 short story collection, The Best Place on Earth, which won the Sami Rohrer Prize for Jewish Literature, as well as the 2019 memoir, The Art of Leaving, which won the Canadian Jewish Literary Award for Best Memoir. Ayelet also teaches creative writing at universities in both Canada and Israel, and recently taught a prose writing workshop through the International School here at Tel Aviv University called Between Tel Aviv and the World. Welcome, I'm I'm excited to have you here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. Um, Always very exciting for me to talk to a writer, and I, I always love to begin with the question of how you got into writing. So I know I've read your memoir and it it sounds like early on you were quite the prolific writer and then it took you a while to to come
1: back to that place. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, thinking about, you know, like where it all started, it started before I even knew how to write. You know, there was never I was always a storyteller. I was always a writer even before I could write. Before I knew the alphabet, I would tell stories and I would draw comics and, you know, narrate them. So it's one of those things. And I know it's not like not like that for all writers, but for me, it's kind of came built in, you know, like. um, Yeah, one of the things I was always sure about until I wasn't. And I think I became unsure about it because of, you know, the insecurity of being 20 something and suddenly. Starting to think that, just that it's not really um, a possible dream, um, and then the language thing, right? Moving in, moving to Canada when I was 20, 25 kind of cemented the uh, the worry. Yeah, that okay. Now, now I definitely cannot do it, right? Because. Um, and I know some writers, some Israeli writers move abroad and continue to write in Hebrew but I think for them it's usually um, I, I may be wrong I obviously did not do <laughs> a, a study of it but it seems like mostly they already have some sort of success as published authors or or, or maybe not. I just noted for me because I wasn't speaking in Hebrew and I wasn't living in Hebrew uh, and back then Vancouver was very where I moved to was, there were no Israelis in town. Mm-hmm. There were like three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. You and two other people. Yeah, yeah so I yeah. just, Hebrew was not, it was, I say in my memoir, it was beside the point. Um, it just, it atrophied a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: So it was partly about the circumstances of where you were when you decided to pursue writing again seriously, that English ended up being the language you went with. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Now, um, your first book is a short story collection, and your second, I would say, is a bit more un- unconventional of a choice, in which you decided to write a memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm curious about that a little bit. Why? Why a memoir?
1: When you said the word "decided," I wanted to do like air quotations. I was like, "Decided." I'm <laughs> like, "Cause no one decides to write a memoir." Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> it's such a. Um, yeah it's not not a good choice <laughs>
0: so it just sort of came about it, naturally it's something
1: then. i feel you kind of yeah it, it it you feel the need to do it um it had to be told the story had to, had to be re- written um that's how it felt anyway okay. um and there was something about it too that i And I don't know if that was kind of a justification afterwards, but it felt to me like such a, I I, I say like it was the ultimate creative endeavor because it was translating my life into art and into literature, you know. And one day, much after it was, like long after it was published, it suddenly occurred to me too that, you know, as a teen or as a kid, I always dreamt of being um, a character almost, you know, like, right. because I was so obsessed with books and I read everything in sight. And those characters were like my friends. Uh, and I felt very, you know, embedded in that literary dream world. And I was like, oh, so I actually managed to fulfill my dream of becoming a literary character by writing a memoir. You know what I mean? <laughs> like right. I became, I became a persona. I became a, a
0: yeah. So that childhood dream that you had when you were a little kid of you being a character yeah. came full circle. In a book. Yeah. Okay. I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> but before I get to them, um, maybe it's helpful for our listeners here. Um, in your words, can you describe what The Art of Leaving is about?
1: Sure. Um, so it's a memoir in essays. So it comprises it's com- it is comprised of essays. And it's traces my life from childhood to motherhood. Um, and it deals with how grief and growing up with grief um, informed the choices that I made in my life, how growing up Mizrahi and Yemeni uh, in Israel informed um, my life. Um, and it's about leaving. It's about leaving Israel. It's about leaving my family, it's leaving my loved ones and also leaving my language um okay
2: mm-hmm. okay
1: um so to get back to that idea you mentioned previously
0: it became sort of this um activity of writing yourself into a literary sphere yeah. um and memoir is such an interesting um experiment for that right because it's not a lot of people think memoir is autobiography. It's just right. sort of your your history, and you're writing it down. But it's it's not. It's a combination of your history and your memories, with sort of this creative license that you take in terms of how you want to present things sure. and the type of story you want to tell. Um, so, did you think about that a lot, or was it just sort of naturally sort of came um, onto the paper?
1: I, I did think about it because by the time I realized that this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm writing, um, I've studied a lot. Uh, I, ch- I took a lot of memoir classes and I've read memoirs and I've read essays, like creative nonfiction in general, not just the memoir form, but I, I love the, the the personal essay form uh, or the memoir essay form, those short, uh, I like short form. Um, but I did realize You know, there's no, I always tell my students, there's no nonfiction police. No one's going to, you know, it's your ethical boundaries. It's your moral boundaries of what you're, how much you're willing uh, to fictionalize. Um, Personally, I, that's not what I want to do. If I don't remember something, I'm not going to invent it on the page. But the creativity or the creative license, as you call it, or the liberties that you take is in curating you know, and choosing what to include and what not to include. You are crafting a persona. You are crafting a character and you are crafting a story from elements of your life and from elements of your personality that work to um, create a cohesive whole, you know, and to serve what you're trying to impart and what you're trying to say. So that is the way that I see the creative uh, liberty. And it's funny because people think like, oh, you're just laying it all bare on the page. And I'm like, Mm-mm. <laughs> you know, this is very controlled. Mm-hmm. I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. I decided, you know, I've had people ask me, really, there's more you haven't told us? I'm like, of course. there's I'm <laughs> like, I chose very carefully right. what I'm telling you and what I'm sharing and what I'm choosing to
0: share. And Um, I think that's a part, too, when it comes to memoir. People kind of think, this is everything here. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, we know you. We know you. Exactly. But there are definitely, you know, it's a conscious, and maybe not conscious for everyone, but there are decisions about what to put in and what to leave out.
1: Yeah. You know, there's um, this um, term, the fictional dream that uh, John Gardner, uh, who wrote books about craft, uh, coined. And I think of... That process as the non-fictional dream, the making the reader feel like they know you—that is the desired effect. I do want them to think, you know, like I know this character, just like you would in a fiction, like in a novel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, you know, still, it's it's curated, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So not to bring social media into it, I know it's going to feel like a tangent, but everyone likes to joke, if you didn't put it on social media, it didn't happen. And it reminds me a little bit of, um, I think, this idea with writing that I've heard people talk about where... You know, when it comes to our real world, um, in some ways it feels like it didn't happen until we fictionalize it, until we tell it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and and thinking about the art of leaving, and like you mentioned, you, um, one of the major themes is really about your own uh, Mizrahi um, background, Yemeni background, and how you felt growing up. There wasn't that representation there. Um, so was it really, really important for you to be a voice um and to help contribute to that representation
1: yeah absolutely um yeah absolutely you know like when i think about my my book of short stories too uh people ask questions about craft and and i always say there's a lot of mystery in the art of writing it's not all you know uh, you can't explain everything You know, there are certain things. Why did I choose uh, this point of view or that point of view? I don't know. The story demanded it. The character wanted to do that. You know, like from childhood, I remember the part where you write and suddenly you realize that this is going to happen. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, no. But I didn't want them to die. Right. (laughs) You know, but that's just what happens. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of mystery. And I love that. And that's part of the magic. But the part where I chose to populate the best place on earth with Mizrahi characters was not—it's uh, just, just something that happened. No, yeah. it was calculated. Okay, you know, I knew that I wanted to do that. Okay, I knew that that was my way of rectifying an experience that I had in childhood.
2: Okay, okay,
1: yeah, definitely.
2: Okay,
0: um, and how how did it feel then when the both books were published and, you know, received some press and attention and um, and, and maybe a related question to that. Uh, and you can say no, too. But do you feel like you have a responsibility as an author a little bit? And do you feel like that was partly fulfilling that responsibility? Or um, you can say no, <laughs> too. But I'm, I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah, no, the reason that I'm hesitating is because... I don't want to,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but sometimes I feel that I do, and then I feel like, no, and then, you know what I mean? It's not, like, I just don't have a concrete answer to it. Right, right. I feel like it, this is not something you have to um, do as a writer, and yet, you know, like... It's important to you. At it is important time. to me, okay. and I have been told by, you know, elderly members of my community, like, oh, yeah, this is a mission, and, and you have to do this, and you have to write about that, and, and I kind of, you know, balk against it, I'm like, but but I don't want to,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: like, I want to write what I want to write, and ultimately I do, I write what I want to write, but there is, and it's especially harder, it was easier with the first book, right, okay. because you write and you don't know if anyone's going to ever read it. Mm-hmm. But once you have a book out and then you have a second book out, you're aware mm-hmm. of the readership and you're aware of expectations. And it kind of sits a little bit like here. And you're like, no, I, I don't want to think about this.
0: Right. You well, know, I, shut I up. imagine you're <laughs> I'm
1: trying to do my thing here.
0: <laughs> it can be hard, right? Because what you mentioned when you're working with characters, like it, it sounds like you really get into a flow. And you don't exactly know what's going to end up happening with the character, and mm-hmm. and so the idea of responsibility should uh, sitting on your shoulders kind of it's not
1: helpful to no, that. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's why like I'm hesitating. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Now one of one of what I love so much about your work is how beautifully you evoke, and enliven places. So uh, Petitikva, Tel Aviv, Vancouver, um, Thailand, India. Um, So I'd love to ask you a little bit about um, that work. Um, Is it hard to bring bring a place into literature? Mm -hmm.
1: First of all, thank you for saying that because it's really important to me and it's one of these elements of craft that I love, I love writing about place. I love evoking place. And I think it comes from being a traveler and from being an immigrant. Um, You're more aware, I think, uh, of places. You see your own home and where you come from in a different eyes when you lived away for long enough. Suddenly you notice things that you may have not noticed if you just lived there your whole life. Um, So that kind of awareness of places um, just heightened, I feel, uh, for for people who travel and for people who have migrated, um, and I guess also just being a writer because you know you're you just see everything, you notice everything. Okay. Um, but I I, n- I never felt that it was hard. Okay. <clears throat> for me, it just kind of came naturally. But then I realized later that. It is something that I would like to mine and be able to teach. Okay. So I've started paying attention to what it is that exactly I do. And okay. now I speak a lot about that. Well, I, I want to hear about that
0: <laughs> if you don't
1: mind. <laughs> it's like I can I can lecture about place and about writing place for hours. Okay. Seriously. So I'm not okay, do that. Okay, maybe not the
0: hour version. So I'm not gonna do that. Um...
1: But I'm gonna give you one um, and of course like the sensory details. I think that's you know, everyone who writes, knows about that. But I want to say one thing uh, that I find that is probably the most important thing about writing place is being aware that it is always seen from the point of view of someone. That it's never neutral. Place is never neutral. It's always a mirror of emotion. It's always... um, Yeah, because you know how it is. Like, the same sunset through even your eyes, mm-hmm. the same character would look different on one day and then it would look different on another day. Because mm-hmm. if you're in a good mood, it might be all like, you know, beautiful gelato colors in the sky. And if you're in a bad mood, it's bleeding over the skyscrapers, right? So I think that is probably the most important thing to remember. It's never a postcard. Okay. Right. Okay. It's always seen through uh, someone's eyes.
0: Now, for me as a reader, um, what happens when I read your work, other work? Tel Aviv isn't the same because now I have your representation of Tel Aviv in my mind too. Hmm. Um, so, is there a power in that? Because you know, you're you're reflecting place through the eyes of characters, but you're also sort of creating something new and adding a layer to what to the meaning of a place.
1: Um, it makes me think about how writing a memoir messes with your memories. Okay. (laughs) I know it takes it somewhere else, but it just made me think because once you wrote it, it is suddenly becomes the memory almost. Okay. Right. Right. So, and if it's, yeah, just like when you retell a story, right? Um, so you're kind of renovating it a little bit. Um. I yeah. feel
0: like yeah, that's kind of natural too. Like it reminds me of you know when you have childhood memories and you talk to a sibling and they're like no, that's not how it happened, happened that way, and <laughs> yeah. then you're kind of like oh yeah, and so it's hard to mm-hmm. know what is actually your memory and yeah. what is what is the yeah the evocation of a place, I guess, or a time that. Um, but
1: but I love the idea that I'm adding to the body of work <laughs> around Tel Aviv. You know, yeah. it's like my favorite city and. um yeah, yeah, I, I really like that idea. Yeah, um, do you feel
0: like there, uh, Tel Aviv and maybe Israel means something in particular in your writing?
1: Um, oh, it's it's not. It can't be distilled. I don't think okay. you know. Uh, it's just so much. Um, ultimately israel is home you know um messy and infuriating um and beautiful and terrible and all of that um i can't get away from it obviously mm-hmm. here i am i'm back mm-hmm. 20 years you know i lived abroad and now i'm here um so if I have to distill it, this is it. Okay. Home, right? Okay. Um, yeah. And
0: I I mean, I realize it's a bit of an unfair question because a place can mean so many things. Um, but one thing I picked up on your writing with Canada, uh, because that's, again, where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, is, and I've noticed it in, I don't know, um, do you know Mariah Silkoff? Um, she has a wonderful short story called Sheila Rab. And she presents Canada in a little bit of a similar way in which it's a space of reconciliation. Mm. Um, so I I don't know if you've picked up on that, if that's sort of unique to Canada, representing Canada in some ways, if it's the idea of just being in a space that isn't
1: Israel. Um, I think it, it is significant that it's Canada. I don't think it's any place would have had the same effect on me. I think for me personally, um, it felt Canada was a little bit of an, uh, I'm I'm nervous about using the wrong word. So please tell me if I'm using the wrong word. I am ESL. Well,
0: (laughs) Uh, your English is
1: amazing. I know, but but I'm uh, just saying it does happen (laughs) sometimes or I mispronounce things. Uh, It feels like it was a bit of an antidote. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense yep. Yep. for me when at that time, uh, not only I came from a very intense place, but also I was a very intense person. Um, it's funny for me now, even though it's been so long now that i was gone and back, um, that people in Israel find me, you know, calm or polite. And I'm like, this is Canada. That, that's what Canada did to me uh, because when I came there I was all fire um, and it wasn't always it didn't feel like a, a positive at the time okay I, I had a I, it, yeah Canada helped in that sense there was something very calming. Uh, about it. And by the way, it wasn't just Canada. It was a process. It was India first. Okay. India helped okay. with that. And then Canada, there was something very, um, yeah, positive, helpful okay. for me at the time. Okay. Um, and even more specifically, maybe BC. Okay. The West Coast. Right. You know? Right. I would say.
0: Yeah, they're, they're probably the most laid back out of all Canadians.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. It was a shock. Mm-hmm. It was a shock, but I needed it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the moments in your memoir that really struck me was um, you talk about an attack that happened to you on a bus in Vancouver. Um, and you make note of the fact that no one really came to help you yeah. and that wouldn't happen here. Yeah, um, And that was something that really, really struck me and... Um I I don't disagree with you in a way. There you know, it's a very very laid back place, but there's almost sometimes a bit of an apathy mm-hmm. that comes with that. Yeah. Um do you pick up on that too or
1: Yeah, and that's and that's the thing, right? Like nowhere is perfect. <laughs> and and I remember like if we if we go back to that story The way that I said that, and I remember I was talking to a Lebanese friend. So that was, I think that's meaningful because he said back there or back home. And for him, he was kind of like, you know, putting both of our countries (laughs) together. And he was right. But I said jokingly, well, you know, back home, if I get on a bus, it might explode. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess getting beaten up is not so bad. Right. 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 And then he said, uh, yeah, but back home, people would have helped you. Yeah. You know, so he kind of, I, I, first of all, I love that he saw that, mm-hmm. that in many ways, Israel and Lebanon are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, there is the other piece of it, you know, that there was a time where uh, it was very dangerous <laughs> to get on a bus uh, in Israel. So, yeah, it's. Um, in The Art of Leaving,
0: um, you know, a, a lot of it is about leaving and about um, being in different countries and thinking about Israel and home in relation to where you are at a particular time and place in your life. Um, so do you recommend that as a practice for a writer to um, get outside of what is a familiar And, um, maybe talk a little bit about how that, that shaped you.
1: Yeah. I, I can't imagine my life otherwise. I've always wanted to go, but also I can't separate. And again, that's something that I also say in my memoir. I can't separate that from all the other what ifs that abound in my life. Right. I, I connected to my father dying I, at the age of 10. I feel like if things were different, I probably—I I don't know if I would have. I don't know how much of it is innate and how much of it is the circumstances of my life. Okay. I do think that um, you have to live mm-hmm. to be a writer. You know. Yeah. Loudly and... and I mean, I think everyone does. But I sometimes, especially after I realize something about leaving that I didn't I couldn't see. I sometimes I compare it a little bit to childbirth. It's one of those things that even if people would have told me, I probably wouldn't have listened and I wouldn't have gotten it. Okay. But that fracture, that wound, that leaving causes is not something that I could have predicted. Um yeah that it's not easy is what i'm trying to say and it becomes harder like if i came back within the first 5 years or so i probably would have been able to just kind of like slide back into that seat at the table mm-hmm. but because i was gone for 20 years coming back was another fracture it was another immigration mm-hmm. it wasn't a return okay okay um so I guess I could see now in retrospect the value in staying
2: okay okay as well okay
0: um in the memoir anyway you portray coming back as sort of a coming into your own in terms of um, your your Yemeni cultural identity and um, understanding of your family your grandmother her history um so do you feel like that was part literary technique or do you do you feel that was really sort of the journey that you've taken in your life
1: oh yeah no absolutely it was the 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 form and the way the memoir is structured is based you know that came second Okay, (laughs) the life came first (laughs) you know what I mean and and finding like uh dressing it in that kind of uh, structure was because of, of you know, it, it was the content or the life that dictated that. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think in the memoir, it's before I actually returned home. You know, the return home came after I finished the memoir. So it's not in the book itself, but it was that metaphorical return, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the return to um To my, you know, my my father's poetry, and to my mom's cooking, and to the Yemeni identity, and all of these things that I really I snubbed a, as a teen, and I think that's common, you know, like we don't want anything to do with it. It feels too diasporic. It feels too like, you know, we just want to move away from our ancestry and and our parents. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a common thing, but I think it is also. Um, particularly a Mizrahi predicament, um, more so, I would say. Um, But, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But, um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah, I think it was actually being away for for after about a decade or so that I started to feel some sort of a yearning and a thirst because I was alone, because I was in a place where no one spoke Hebrew, because I felt really afloat. And I kind of sought some roots okay. and some connection.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, now, earlier you described going away and coming back as an immigration anew. Mm-hmm. A second, you know, it wasn't just returning to Israel, Petitikva, Tel Aviv. It was immigrating here again. Yeah. Um, so was that partly because you were a different person or do you feel like here is different from the the Israel you you originally left?
1: yeah both okay yeah both um, yeah 20 years is a lifetime you know um, Israel changed I changed I came back with a with a partner with a child um yeah, I came back with with, you know, a Canadian sensibility uh, in me, you know, and if in if in Canada I was too Israeli, then I come here and I'm too Canadian, you know. You're so polite. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not polite. I'm rude and obnoxious. <laughs> Can't you tell? I'm I'm working on my rude and obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was an end, even more interesting, is to suddenly watch my partner and my child, who was born in Canada, and I felt even a little bit of guilt. I'm like, oh, no, now I'm like inflicting, inflicting them with my, you know, <laughs> my immigration or my immigrant uh, wound you know, by bringing them here and watching them having to uh, adjust and watching them having to long and um, that was weird. Okay. Uh, to watch. Okay. Okay.
0: I mean, it, it it can be described as a wound, but I think it's an opportunity as well to right to sure to yeah move to a new place and yeah. Um, do you feel like? Your writing has sort of shifted your view of the world. If it shifted, sorry?
1: Your view of the world. Hmm. I think there's always learning in the writing. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's on one hand you're there and you're alone in a room, but on the other hand you're trying to access other people's point of views and other people's hearts and other people's minds and and that is bound to open you up. Um, you know, and that's the hope that it would the hope is that it would do it to others, to readers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, create empathy and and show us something. Okay. Uh, from someone else's eyes. Okay. So, mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of creating empathy from someone else's eyes, are you working on anything new these days?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, like, very close to finishing um, edits uh, for a novel. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I have to send it at the end of the month. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anyone see my face? <laughs> right,
0: right, I know. It, it's probably a pretty stressful period right now, yeah, finishing everything up. It is, yeah. But it's exciting, too. So so three major works of literature, three different genres, you <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> so do you feel like working on a novel was a whole other adventure compared to oh, the memoir? Oh, yeah, and... absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, because the memoir, even though it's like, it was... Published as a memoir, but it like I said, it is built of small pieces. It's it's built of essays or or stories. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, there was some similarities between that and the first book. Mm -hmm. Um, I found the novel just so big and unwieldy, and I was like, I don't, I don't know how to hold this, you know, like so. That was okay. I found that very intimidating and challenging okay um
0: and was it a process of exploration did you just sort of figure it out as you went
1: along did you have to plan a lot no not not too much like I don't it doesn't work for me I know every writer is different I can't do it I can't have it be too um too structured because then there's no surprises like you know like that character doing that thing you didn't think they were going to do and you're like, oh no, what is happening? That's, if you have it all planned out very carefully, I don't see how that can happen. So I need to allow for some um, uh, freedom, okay? you know? So, but on the other hand, if a short story is completely free, usually, like I may have some idea of how it would end, but usually it's just kind of like, a process of of exploration as you write. It was a novel for me personally. I couldn't have it be entirely open. So I kind of eventually landed on something in between where I have like some spots, some um, anchors or some moments within the narrative that I knew I had to write toward. Okay. You know, I'm like, I want this to happen at some point. I want that to happen in another junction. Like, you know, like... Right. um, Okay. Okay. And it still can be, you know, flexible somewhat, okay. but um, that's kind of how I okay. I did that.
0: So to use business speak, you have benchmarks. <laughs> okay, benchmarks. Thank you. Benchmarks you, sure. you have to hit at different
1: yeah. times. Okay. Yeah. Um. Am I allowed to ask what the novel is about? <laughs> it's so funny. I'm not. I'm not trained in talking about it. Okay. You know. So I'm like, hey, I, I don't know what to say yet. Okay. Uh, I can say that it takes place. Um. In the nineties, okay, which apparently is a historical novel. <laughs> I know, like the music Man. too. I
0: know that was the weird <laughs> moment for me when you realized that. <laughs> I'm like,
1: what? Mm-hmm. And also the fifties, which is okay. like the the mahabara times. The you know,
0: I, I feel comfortable with that being historical. Oh yeah, that period. yeah, that's yeah. definitely historical. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm looking forward to reading it when Thank it comes you. out. Um, do you have a title yet? Or? I have one, but we're not sure that it's okay the one yet. So, okay. so to be determined. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations. That's a huge milestone, obviously, Thank to you. finish it and be at the moment where it's final comments. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I I can't wait to to take a look when when it's published. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I have to thank you for being here today too, and talking about writing and, um, giving some insight into your work and and the writing
1: process too. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, yeah, it was a great time.